0: I'd ask him a question. If he didn't know the answer, he'd find it and come talk to me five minutes later. And so one day I asked him, I said, why when you hear people testing a sound system, do they say testing one, two, three, four? And he said, oh, because those are the contain all of the sounds that are picked up by a microphone. So you say those four, there's five words, and you've covered them all. And if there's a dead spot or something, you will be able to tell it when they do that. And uh, so, that's why I say testing, one, two, three, four. Also indicates that I know how to count past three. (coughs) Okay? Man in my position, that's kind of an important thing. Man. Take your Bible, if you will. Turn with me to Psalm 116. 116, it's good to have in the service this morning Brother Bob Schmidt, Brother Bob Schmidt was a a deacon at uh, Crusade Baptist Temple for years and years, his son Paul, uh, been a friend of mine since he was a little kid, or it seemed like he was a little kid, uh, and uh, attended Living Springs Camp back years and years ago. It was Camper of the Week, right? One time. Yeah. One time's all it takes. Okay. Kind of like being king. You only have to be king one time. Everybody knows you're king after that. Man. But uh, anyhow, it's great to have them in the service with us. Brother Schmidt is now living at Crystal Oaks. So he'll be in the service this afternoon. Man. You find a verse? Before we begin reading this morning, I want us to have a word of prayer. Uh, I would like to ask one of the men in the church, and I don't care who, somebody volunteer, to stand and ask God's blessing on this message. Uh, Several things have happened in the last two days that have caused my mind just to go all different directions. And, you know, uh, I need the ability to concentrate and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit today. And so if... uh, Somebody will lead us. Who wants to volunteer? Okay, Mark. Thank you, sir. Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 say, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. We'll pause there in our reading. We're going to refer to several other verses this morning, but I want to start here. The psalmist is telling us why he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord because God answers prayer. God answers prayer. It began the first of this year preaching on the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis because if you don't believe the first 11 chapters, why mess with the rest? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, the darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And in that first chapter, he describes to us how that in six 24-hour days, he created everything that was made. John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3 and following, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, by him were all things made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Christ is the Creator. He is God. God is a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We find that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. A lot of folks say, no, it's just in the New Testament, But case you don't find God, the Trinity in the Old Testament. Well, of course you do. Find it in the book of Psalms. Find it in the book of Isaiah. Find it in the book of Genesis. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one God. You say, Brother Case, can you explain that? Nope. Can you? I can illustrate it, but I can't explain it. For me, it's kind of like knowing that when I see fog, I know that's water in vaporous form. We call it steam. When I see a glass full of water, I know that's water in liquid form. When I see ice in that water, I know that ice is water in frozen form, but they're all water. Having different functions, different things, and uh, different characteristics, but they are all water. That's an illustration. Does that explain water? Not at all. Not at all. Doesn't explain how to... Hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom can combine and make something that tastes so clear and clean and delicious, thirst satisfying. Doesn't explain it, just illustrates it. So, we have this morning a, another very important truth in the Word of God. And that truth is the necessity. Of prayer, the necessity of prayer. I said last Sunday morning that I want folks to be here Sunday night because we can talk about some of the uh, some some of the future of our church and some things that we had planned for the future. And uh, as I arrived at the service that evening, the Holy Spirit said, "No, don't say any of that yet. I'll tell you when." And so I preached a, a different message, and oh, Lord blessed it. But uh, people walked out of here wondering, "Well, what's He going to say?" about the future of the church. So I began to pray this week, and the Holy Spirit said, okay, do it this morning. Keith High's Baptist Church, four years ago, had about 12 members, came faithfully. Okay, is that about right? Those of who were here, about 12, yeah. Our high all-time high attendance was in May of this past, of this year, and it was 114. Last Sunday we had 113. You know what that's the result of? Prayer. Okay? Prayer. say, so why do you say that, Brother Casey? Because we do not have a strong visitation program. Now we have people in our church who are constantly sharing the Word of God with people. Always passing out tracts and delivering the message and and sharing with people the the gospel of Jesus Christ, whereby people can get saved and and go to heaven, know they're going to heaven. But we don't meet at a certain time of the week and, and take little cards with people's names and addresses on it and go to those houses and knock on those doors and try to persuade those people that they need to be saved. We don't do that. He said, Is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. The Holy Spirit just didn't tell me to do it with this church. What he did tell me to do was to pray. To pray. And so uh, on Sunday evening, 5 30, the men of the church meet downstairs in one of the classrooms, and we pray. You see, all the men of the church? No, tragically, well, we wouldn't be able to hold all the people if all the men of the church met. It's usually five or six or seven of us. Sometimes a woman or two will meet with us. But God hears and answers prayer. Again, Psalm 116, I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications. He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. God never has to strain to hear us. I'm in a position now at my age where if a small child talks to me or or sometimes even a lady's voice in the higher ranges I'm I'm pretty much deaf up there. And so I have to get down on their level and read their lips almost. Okay? And when the scripture says God inclines his ear unto me, I can picture him doing what I do. He gets down close so he doesn't miss anything. He doesn't have to get down close. His hearing is perfect. He knows my thoughts even before I think them. And He knows my prayers before I pray them. Just like He does yours. But He loves me enough that He wants me to know that He is paying particular attention when I pray. And He loves you that much also. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is is speaking to the disciples. Uh, they're, They're getting a whole new picture of how life ought to be. This is basic church membership training. Okay, Jesus chose 12 people to be in his first church. And he took those 12 men and he... Taught them. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he is teaching them about a number of things. He teaches them about prayer in chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And then in chapter in verse 14, he reiterates the necessity of forgiving others so that you can have your prayers forgiven. Excuse me, so you can have your sins forgiven, and so you can have your prayers answered. Then he gets over here to chapter 7 and verse 7, and he writes Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What an incredible verse of Scripture! What an incredible promise! Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Remember, he's speaking to his church. We as a church ought to be a praying church. We as a church ought to be a church that prays regularly. Not just in the services. Not just on Sunday night at 5.30. You say, where do you get that, Brother Casey? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means don't ever stop praying. You say, how can anybody do that? Well, I can guarantee you it's pretty hard to do if the TV's on. It's pretty hard to do if you've got the radio going. It's pretty hard to do if there's anything distracting you. But what did he mean, pray without ceasing? Well, let me give you the definitions of the Greek words. The Greek words in their English form mean pray and don't stop. You say, oh, you mean pray without ceasing? Yeah, you got it. You say, Brother Casey, I didn't know you knew any Greek. Yeah, I know Dave Theodoro. I know his brother Jim. They're both Greek. Just kidding. Ask, and it should be given you. So, what things should we ask for? Whoa, well, most of us say, ask for anything you want. Just ask for anything you want. Well, this passage doesn't guarantee that. And in fact, I go back to the fact that he is delivering this lesson, this message, to his church. Okay? Okay? So what I want you to understand is he doesn't answer everybody's prayers. Every time my brothers and I went to my dad for lunch money, he dug down deep and he pulled up enough money to give us lunch money to go to school. Every time. If he didn't have it, he'd go borrow it out of the mad money jar and then put it back later. You see, what's the mad money jar? That's the jar where my mom put the change. Okay. She got done grocery shopping, she had a chance, she put it in this mad money jar. A quart jar sat in her closet. She knew it was safe because we knew if you got in mom's closet, you better be there with permission. So nobody got in the mad money jar except Dad. And then he put it back later. I don't remember my dad ever giving the neighborhood kids lunch money. He probably would have had they asked. He's just that kind of guy. But I never went to my neighbor's dad and asked him for lunch money. Why? Because he wasn't my father. He wasn't my dad. He wasn't obligated to give me lunch money. I see people all the time who are God's creation but not God's children. Who are asking God for things. God is not required to answer the prayers of anyone but his children. And the qualifications for becoming a child of God are very, very narrow. Christ died for the sins of the whole world, the scripture tells us. So that everybody could get saved. That is all inclusive. Everybody in the world can get saved, can become a child of God. However, just because everybody can doesn't mean that everybody will. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if somebody tells you, well, we're all going to heaven, we're just taking different roads to get there. Well, if you're on a different road, you're not getting there. Jesus said, I am the way. And so, how do we get there His way? Oh, quite clear. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why would God raise Him from the dead? Sin causes death. If Jesus died, He died because of sin. But as we look at the Scriptures carefully, we discover He died not for His own sin, but He died in my place and in your place. He died for our sins. He took our sins in His own body and went to the cross of Calvary. And there He gave His life for us. Because He died for my sins. When my sins were paid for, God raised him from the dead. When your sins were paid for, God raised him from the dead. And he's become the first fruits of them that sleep, the scripture said. What's that mean? That means he's just the first. One of these days, he's going to raise all of those who died believing that Jesus was the Christ and receiving him as personal savior. So, all those whose sins had been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of His death on the cross of Calvary, we're all going to be raised again to walk in His newness of life and to live with Christ forever. Just the way it's going to be. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked Him to forgive your sins, then I have bad news. God's not obligated to answer your prayers. That's kind of sad. But God is not obligated to answer your prayer. And you know when people tend to cry out to God? In emergencies. In emergencies. When something bad goes wrong in a hurry. People start crying out to God. Oh God, please. Help my baby. Help my spouse. Help my mom or my dad. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, God doesn't hear that prayer. You say, how do you know that really, Casey? Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. 18. Okay? Very important verse of Scripture. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I haven't confessed it, if I haven't asked Jesus Christ to forgive it, if I hold iniquity in my heart, The Lord will not hear me. That's about as plain as you can get. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There's one prayer that God will always hear, whether you're a believer or not. And in fact, the people who pray this prayer are not believers, they are not yet Christians, they are not yet saved, they're not on their way to heaven. This is the prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I'm asking you to save me from my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Those particular words do not have to be said, but that must be the intent of the heart. You must believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins and ask him to save you. When you do that, his response is immediate. He says, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He's not going to turn anybody away. So when you ask ask Jesus to save you, he does it. And then you become a child of God. As a child of God, you can ask and it shall be given you. You can seek and you'll find. You can knock and it will be opened unto you. And then we get over to 1 John chapter 5. One of my favorite passages, and it tells us exactly how to get our prayers answered. It says, this is the confidence that we have in Him. The confidence that we have in Christ. The confidence that we have in God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Let me back up and read that again. This is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence, what's that? That's faith. Faith expressed. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So all we have to do to get our prayers answered is to know what God's will is. if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we required of Him. We know we got the answer. And that's incredible. If I start telling stories now, we'll never get out of here. But I want you to know I have seen it happen time and time and time and time again. I prayed for a man for, wow, eight, ten, twelve 12 years, knowing that it was God's will for that man to be saved. You say, how do you know it's God's will for somebody to say, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First. 2 Peter 3.9, 1 Peter 3, nine. one of those two. God's not willing that any should perish. I know it's God's will for people to get saved. And so I ask God to save this man. God does not force anybody to get saved. Everybody has a choice. Everybody has free will. You can choose whether or not to ask Jesus to save you. So my prayer was, Father... Arrange the circumstances in this person's life so that they will know that they need you. So they will know that Jesus is the only way for them to get to heaven. So they will recognize how desperately they need you. Father, just work it out. One day this guy called me. He said, Brother Casey, we need to talk. I said, okay, come on over. He came over and he sat down. He began to tell me what all was going wrong in his life. I mean, nothing was going right for him. It seemed like everywhere he turned, he stumbled and fell. Whatever he tried to do was a, I mean just collapsed around him. He said, Brother Casey, I I don't know where to turn. And I said, well, maybe you need to turn to the one who loves you. He said, what? Who? I said, Jesus. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and save you. So that you become a child of God. Because I can promise you, God takes good care of his stuff. God takes good care of his children. tears formed in his eyes, and he said, yeah, I've known I needed to do that for a long time. But every time I'd think about it, I'd think, no, not now. No, I'll, maybe I'll do that later. Maybe I'll take care of that another time. But he said, I know I need to be saved now. And I said, all right, what will keep you from getting saved? Nothing. He bowed his head started praying asked Jesus to save him. You know what Jesus did? He saved him. Of course. He'll save anybody who'll ask him. You just got to ask. Time and time again, I've seen situations that looked hopeless. In my own life, they found cancer. They told me this is a very primitive, very rare, very aggressive form of cancer. A couple of weeks ago, it was on your prostate. Now it has metastasized all over your abdomen. They started naming all of the organs that it was in or on. And then finally, he said, And it's on your pelvis. I said, What? He said, Yes. It's going to be bone cancer, and just, if it's not already, it's going to be there in a couple of days. He said, bone cancer is not just excruciatingly painful, it's incurable. Not anything we can do for you. I said, how much time do you think I have? He said, I think maybe six months. He said About the longest I've ever seen anybody live is 13 months. I said, okay so i began to pray and i did not pray and ask god to heal me i asked god to be glorified in my life either by my life or my, by, by my death either one i didn't care as long as he got the glory six months went by eight months went by i'm still alive and i'm feeling better <laughs> members here know the story went back to the doctor they reran the test he said wow said we've never had a patient respond to treatment like you have and i said what treatment he grinned he said yeah no treatment available he said we found cancer on the bottom of your bladder it's about the size of a dime we found cancer on your pelvis but it's not evident anywhere else it's gone And he said, the cancer on your pelvis looks like scar tissue. I said, okay. He said, come back and see me in two months. So two months later, I went back. They ran all the tests. And he said, we don't find cancer anywhere. And I said, do you mean I'm cancer free? And he said, no, we don't say that for seven years. I said, okay, so don't say it. But I'm cancer free. Because God healed me was his will, and other people were praying for God to heal me. I guess so that he could be glorified, since that was my prayer, glorified in my life, rather than by my death. I love the Lord because he hath heard my prayer and my supplication. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, I will call upon him as long as I live. How about you? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, well, this would be a great day. A great day to become a part of God's family. In just a moment, Brother Greg's going to come. We're going to sing uh, uh, an invitation hymn. And as we do, we're going to offer you the opportunity to come down here to the front. We'll take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved and know it. Can't beat that. You'll be a part of God's family. Wow. Then when you pray, you can ask and it'll be given you. You say, Brother Casey, how do you know how to pray according to God's will? Well, ask Him. Father, what's your will in this? And if he doesn't immediately reveal it to you, then say, Okay, Father, whatever it is, I want your will to be done. Because God's will is always best. His way is always right. Too loving to hurt you. Too wise to make mistakes. Let's stand quietly to our feet. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your word would be effective in the hearts and lives of the folks who are here today. Lord, that one that needs to be saved, Lord, help them to know that nobody gets promised a tomorrow. You've said today is the day of salvation. Help them to come. Give them the courage to step out. Lord, those ones that are here that you've spoken to their hearts about other things, help them to come and kneel here at this altar and get things right with you. For some, it's be a matter of commitment. For some, a matter of rededication. Whatever the need is, Lord, we just trust you and ask you to have your perfect will and way. In Jesus' name, and for his sake, amen. The great. Page 249, just as I am.